Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading is from the book of John, chapter 14, verse 27. That's again, John, chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Thanks, Emma. And thanks, Wynn, for doing the announcements. You didn't butcher them. Did good. Would you join me in a word of prayer before we look at God's word today? Lord Jesus, we glorify your name. We lift you high today. We set our eyes on you. We thank you that we can gather together as your people. We can join as your church um, to share your light in this community and to experience your love and the life that you've given us. Lord, would you be with each of us today? Would you let us hear from you through the power of your Holy Spirit and through your word and through me? Lord, would you let us all here be doers of your word, not merely hearers. Let us leave your men and women changed by you and walk more like you. Lord, we lift up those who aren't with us this morning, either they're at home sick or um, maybe they're on the mission field, maybe they're estranged from us for whatever reason, maybe they've moved. Jesus, would you bless each of those that are in our family but aren't physically with us right now. And Lord, would you continue to move in Kailua, would you let your light shine to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to those we run uh, across our paths at the stores, the libraries, at the beaches? Lord, would you let KCC continue to be a beacon of light, shining your love? It's in Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we start, I want to ask you a question today, and I'm going to try to do that in that very endearing motherly way that mothers are very good at, but how are you? How are you? How was your week? Maybe a more tel telling question is, what did you do this week? You know, the past few weeks have been a bit challenging and a bit unique for us as a, a church ohana. There's been quite a few things that have gone on, and I've been encouraged to see that we as a church have, have just shown and have just been a family. We're not a production church. We're not a program church. We're really just a family church, and we've hooied together through this time in prayer and stepping into new roles. But we've all been on this like spectrum of impact of how the last few weeks have impacted us, either physically or, or maybe emotionally, how we've been doing. And for me, I got to be honest with you, on the, the spectrum of impact, I've been a bit more on, on this side. It's been a wild couple weeks for me, preaching more, um, shutting the church down because I had COVID, <laughs> um, Pastor Perry's bike accident. And I've been, been kind of reeling with everything that's been going on with his reality. He's one of my closest friends on the island. Uh, he's been my pastor for 11 years. And I'm having these collision moments with, uh, with my own trauma moment from four years ago when I fell out of a tree. And he flew to Colorado to visit me for three days. And, and I'm just having these moments where I'm trying to wrap my head around what's going on. And maybe you as well 
have been impacted in that way. Maybe you're remembering past traumas you've endured or had to care for others through. Maybe it's been a tough emotional few weeks for you. Or maybe you obviously care about Pastor Perry, the things of this church, but you relatively haven't been very largely impacted. You've said extra prayers, you've given extra love, but it hasn't been a huge spectrum of impact for you the last few weeks, and that's okay. But regardless of where you're at on the spectrum, Scripture reveals that out of the overflow of your heart, so the mouth speaks. And I would say it's true as well that out of the overflow of the heart, so your body does. So the question that is begged to be asked is what has overflown out of your heart the last few weeks? When trouble comes, what overflows out of your heart? Do you find yourself texting more than usual, grasping for that information, wanting to send more information, wanting to do something useful so that you can just be a part of helping control the situation and make it a little bit better? Or have you found yourself at least able to have a moment or two of Selah where you're just quiet, you're still, you're resting, maybe by yourself or with a a trusted friend, a loved one, and you just kind of sit in that moment. What do you do when trouble comes and what overflows out of your heart? It doesn't just have to be the troubles that we as a church have corporately experienced together. The troubles of life still continue. You still have to pay rent, but your business is still being impacted by the reality of the world. Or your college roommate or your auntie gets sick on the mainland and you can't go visit her and help take care of her. Or maybe you're still trying to figure out how to get things back to a good place after your last fight with your spouse or your kids. The troubles don't stop. There's troubles in this fallen world. And we as a church, we know we're believing in the promises of God. But there's a promise in John 16.33 that sometimes it's easy to forget about. John 16.33, Jesus promises, he says, in this world you will have tribulation. That's a promise of God. So if we're believing in the promises, we get to believe in that one too. There is trouble in this world. So what do you do when trouble comes? And what, do you, and what you say and what you do reveals what's in your heart based on that verse that we read earlier. And is your heart filled with control or is it filled with trust? A couple weeks ago, we looked at uh, John chapter 14 uh, and we saw that when trouble comes, there's a couple things that you need to do based off of the scripture we looked at. The first thing that you need to do when trouble comes is do what Jesus did. And you just need to feel it. You need to feel that trouble. We know that Jesus was troubled and he wept and he sweat drops of blood. And your body, when you are troubled greatly, your body will be greatly troubled. And your body isn't going to be able to hold and handle all the trouble that you're enduring. And there's a reason for that. You were never made to have to endure the trouble that you have to endure in this fallen world. Remember, we were made in a garden, the Garden of Eden, a place of perfection where there wasn't hardship, there wasn't thorns, there wasn't thistles, there wasn't heartache or suffering or loss. And your body was created for that perfect circumstantial moment. But things went awry and we've entered into this fallen world where we face things and our body has to endure trouble that we were never meant to endure. And we need help. We have to pop that Advil. We have to take that extra nap. 
But even in these troubling moments when our body can't bear the burden of the trouble, Jesus even has a plan for that because he's good. And Paul puts that plan this way. In, in your Bible, 2 Corinthians, you can flip there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul has this to say about the, the burdens that your body bears. It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2. He says, We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. It's like the, the burdens of this world we, we don't like and we're just tired and we're like, ah, I just want to shed that and put on this new body and this new clothing. And we will someday in eternity. That's the end of the story. But right now, the burdens in our body point us in that direction and they point us to our eternal reality with Jesus. The troubles don't go away but the troubles will go away in eternity. And so we, we know that we need to express our emotions. We need to let the trouble out. Otherwise, our body isn't going to do good. But our verse a couple weeks ago from John 14 didn't just stop there. There's two parts that we needed to do. John, John 14, 1, just to remind you of our verse from a couple weeks ago, says this. John 14, verse 1, Jesus is talking to his apostles in a very troubling time. He says this. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. But believe, believe in God, believe also in me. And Jesus goes on in chapter, 20, in chapter 14 and he gives 22 promises to his apostles and to us that we're to believe in this time. And we as a church family, we, we decided, because I said we decided that we're going to believe in the promise of peace. And we're going to believe in that promise. Peace over our hearts. Peace over our communities. Peace over your neighbors who are asking you how your pastor's doing. Peace over Pastor Perry's body. We're going to believe in peace because we came to that promise because that's the same promise that Jesus gave his apostles in the most troubling time of human history, just moments before the cross. Just moments before the cross, Jesus says to his apostles in John 14, 27, our verse today that Emma read, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So if that's what we're believing, what does peace look like? What does it look like? And how do you get it? Do you light a candle? Do you put on that melodic music? you grab a beer after a, a long day of work? What do you got to do to get peace when trouble comes? Well, Jesus in John 14, 27, he explains peace. And he says, it's my peace that I'm giving to you. It's my peace that I leave with you. But it's not as the world gives. But I'm giving it to you. And so we see a compare and contrast. We see, we see two different types of peace. We see God's peace, the type of peace that Jesus offers, and the type of peace that the world is offering you. And we know that this world is ruled by Satan. Right now, he's the ruler. And he is the king of counterfeit. And our enemy is constantly trying to feed you a counterfeit message of peace through this world and saying, this is the type of peace you should have. And we see that message every day when we're trying to find something on Netflix to watch and that trailer pops up. Or maybe that show you watch and it gives you a counterfeit message of peace. Or that Instagram person you follow who isn't following the Lord. It's a counterfeit message. 
And so for me, I wanted to see what kind of peace the world offers and try to give some sort of definitive answer. This is the type of peace the world offers. And so I do what all good preachers do. This is a preacher hack for you aspiring young preachers out there. You go onto Google or Yahoo or Bing, if that's the thing, and you go and you type in your question. And so I type in, what do I do to have peace? And then you just look for the one that kind of stands out and you click on it. And in the first couple ones that popped up for me was the health department of Massachusetts. It was a blog, and they were telling their citizens how to have peace and what they need to do for peace. And they're like, okay, well, that looks good. And so I'm just going to quote from Massachusetts uh, what they say about peace and read it to you here. So what, what does the world say how to have peace? This is what Massachusetts says. They say, a peaceful place is necessary for many of us. A peaceful place is somewhere you can go to slow down. Reflect. Engage in enjoyable activities. You can be alone or with others who you find relaxing to be around. A place that doesn't demand anything of you or expect you to be someone you're not. It's where you can just be. It's your own space. You can be noisy or quiet or work on activities and interests that you're passionate about. You can read or otherwise escape life's daily stresses and routines. To summarize, peace it's whatever makes you happy, and make sure that nobody else stops that. And I read through this, and I'm like, there's a lot of good things in there. It's important that you and I have a quiet place, and, and we can be with people we enjoy, and we can step away from the, the responsibilities, and we can have a Sabbath. Those are important things. But is true peace complete circumstantial perfection and complete self-indulgence in whatever you want? Is that what true peace is? really is. You know, moments before Jesus promises peace to his apostles in the Lord's Supper from our passage in John 14, the nation of Israel was seeking peace. And many of them believed that Jesus was the promised Prince of Peace from Isaiah chapter 9. And Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. It's Palm Sunday. Everybody's celebrating him. And Jesus looks at the crowds who are desiring peace. And he says this to them in Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, verse 41 and 42. Jesus says this to uh, the nation of Israel who's seeking peace. He says, If you, even you, Israel, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. Jesus is there in front of Israel He's coming riding on a young donkey and a lot of the Jewish people are probably remembering Zechariah's prophecy that the prince of peace who would rule from sea to sea and bring peace would come riding in on a young donkey. And here he is and Jesus is offering himself as peace to the nation. And you know the story. Moments later, the nation of Israel rejects Jesus and they reject peace. If you had only known what would bring you peace. And they didn't. The nation of Israel was seeking an external peace, a political peace from the occupying Roman government. And Jesus was offering in his first advent that internal peace. The nation of Israel said, no, that's not what we want. If you had only known what would bring you peace. And I wonder how often Jesus looks at you and he looks at me and he goes, ah, if you had only known what brings you peace. You spend your days manicuring your yard just right 
or cleaning your house in the only 20 minutes of alone time that you have all day and making it look like that picture-perfect magazine? Do you, do you go and buy the good-smelling candles, diffuse the essential oils, hoping that that will bring peace? Or getting your Instagram vibage just right and all the right words and everything, trying to express peace, hoping that if you can just do it, then maybe you will have peace. If you can have everything in your control and everything looks right. But that's really what the world offers. The world offers control. And that's the world's peace. It's your control. And that is a lie from the enemy. It's like Burger King's former slogan. They changed their slogan, by the way. and found that out on Google as well. Burger King's slogan, have it your way. That's what the world's offering for peace. And peace is not in your control. Because that's the same as saying, I will have peace when my 401k is just right. I will have peace when my kids behave. I will have peace when I'm respected at work. But if you know the book of Isaiah, that might remind you of the five I wills of Satan. It's the same, I will have control, that Satan offered Eve in the Garden of Eden, and she took it. And that's not the kind of peace that we're after. Because manicuring your yard, having a clean house, doing all the things that have to get done, either here at church, for Pastor Perry, for those you care about, all those things are important, but they are not peace. So what kind of peace are you seeking? And is it the kind of peace that Jesus is offering? So we're going to talk about God's peace now. God's peace. You know, in, in preparation for the sermon, I was, uh, I was in my desk over at the garage. I had about 10 Bible dictionaries out, 10 Bible lectionaries. I don't even know what those are, but I had them out. I had my commentaries out, and I was just like reading all these things about peace, doing all these cross-references, writing, and, and I was just like, if I can just figure out what peace is and share with you this amazing message about peace, then maybe I will have peace in my life. <laughs> okay, you're starting to get it. It's good. It gets better, I promise. <laughs> it got to the point that... Angie, our office manager, walked in. She had a question for me. And she asked, she was like, are you listening to an auctioneer? And I said, no, I'm listening to a guy preach about peace in two times speed. Wait for it. Okay, it hit, yep. And that's what happened. She was like, peace, two times speed. And I was like, ah. I was doing it. I was just trying to gain control over the word peace. Just being such a human. And oftentimes that's such a picture of our lives that we just try to run around just so that we can have that control and just have peace. But that is not God's peace because a friend walks in, says, turn off the two times speed, Pete. And I think about Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's much better than two times speed. So how do you get it? How do you get that rest, that peace that Jesus is offering? Without having to read through all the Bible lectionaries and commentaries and the two times speed. How do you get it? What do you have to do to have peace? Well, a simple verse 
Uh, I'll be honest as well. I've been to two-time speed reading, and I just pass over this too often. But it's a simple verse that reveals the answer for how you get peace, and it's in, in the book of Ephesians. So go ahead and go there. You can grab your Bibles if you haven't. You can get your, your highlighter, your pen. We're not in two-time speed now. You can grab it. Grab your Bible. This is a good verse to mark up, to, to put a sticky note on your steering wheel, wherever. Ephesians 2, verse 14. It reveals to us how to have peace. I kind of want to say, drum roll, please. This is how you have peace. Ephesians 2, 14. For he, Jesus himself, is our peace. Jesus is your peace. And that's it. That is a super, super spiritual answer. That, that is the answer that Jesus is our peace. Peace is not a candle. Peace is not a well-ordered life. Peace is not the absence of trouble. And if you think about it, Jesus himself was troubled in life. We have that written down in scripture. Yet Jesus was the prince of peace. Even in those moments of trouble, he was still peace. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is not having everything under control. Peace is Jesus Christ himself. And peace is Jesus Christ alone. And that's where we put our stake in the ground as the church Ohana. It's a super simple Sunday school answer. The kids are probably learning the same thing, but we need to be reminded of that as well because with all the texting, all the doing, all the two-time speeding that we have to do, all that comes after, after we have Jesus. So this week, my friends, however you have Jesus, whether if it's a, a, a holy nap this afternoon, and a holy nap tomorrow afternoon. Whether that's waking up and having a hot cup of coffee, you light that candle and you, you bust out your Bible and your journal and your, your pen. Whether if you join one of the Aloha gatherings or you connect in your hui or maybe you're driving to work and you listen to scripture. However you have Jesus this week, just have him and you will have peace for your souls. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Our one and only sermon outline uh, truth today, the only truth we're coming to, if you have your sermon outlines, write this. You have peace when you have Jesus. You have peace when you have Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that you are our peace. You are the prince of peace, and you are the coming king who will bring an external peace. But right now, Lord, even in this moment when there is trouble in our world, Lord, we still acknowledge your peace and that you are our peace. God, would you fill each of us with your spirit this week? Would you let us do things that choose you, that choose peace? God, would you let us turn off the noise that sometimes we create ourselves so that we can just have a moment with you. And Lord, would you let us not find peace in our external circumstances, but peace only in your presence, Lord. And if you're listening and if you've never experienced true peace from God and peace with God, I'd encourage you to pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need your peace. And I accept the peace that you have offered me through dying on the cross. 
Please forgive me for my sins, Jesus, and give me the gift of peace with you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.